Welcome to Feminine, the podcast dedicated to the feminine lens on mental health, the healing arts, and spirituality. My name is Priscilla Alexandra Hine, and I am a licensed practitioner of the healing arts and licensed clinical social worker in the state of California. Easter. Oh, it has been a while. Mm. Don't mind my stretch. Um, Happy Easter, ladies and gentlemen of Feminine. Thank you for sharing and holding space with me today on this lovely Sunday, April 4th, according to the Gregorian calendar. (laughs) anyways which is a bunch of bullshit (laughs) and I have no idea why we live in a world where the Gregorian calendar seems to dictate everything particularly in the context of structures such as quote-unquote daylight savings which essentially puts everybody in a state of confusion for like two months um Every onset of uh, fall and spring. <clears throat> but who cares about those things, right? <laughs> it's irrelevant to our well-being. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I care about those things because adding an additional hour, quote unquote, adding an additional hour when you're adding nothing other than altering the structure in which you put in place in order to identify a new time frame, so changing up the time frames that you have in order to where there's more sun, in, in a way to where there's more sunlight being allowed doesn't do very much other than exacerbate and perpetuate capitalism, which if you know the history of daylight savings is the entire reason for its existence. It's to uh, quote unquote, allow us to work more. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <laughs> you know, thank you for this extra hour of the day for me <laughs> to spend working. <laughs> I am blessed. <laughs> oh. It has been a while since I've spoken with you. Thank you um, for listening to me. You certainly do not have to do that. I know that when I come to this space, I'm talking about difficult things and I'm coming to it um, with an understanding that we are a vulnerable community here. The first thing I want to say is that I love each of you who choose to listen and endure. And I know that some of you... (laughs) 
I'm not laughing because I'm not laughing because it's funny, okay? I'm laughing because I had not intended um I had not intended my audience, so to speak. You know, I had not intended to be speaking with such wonderful human beings. I had, you know, um I am blessed to be here. You are profound. And I know that many of you have been reaching out and and, um, we've been chatting a little bit about the gospel and Easter and if you know me. (laughs) And if you know me, you know that I've been going through a very intentional um, re- examination of my entire spirituality the past four years, which you can backtrack and listen to this entire podcast if you really want to dive deep into the heart of a mystic and identify how in God's name they make sense of pain (laughs) and what kind of choices uh, they will make in order to preserve the essence of their soul. You know, I'd not imagined that I would have uh, those who choose to journey with me still here. I am, you know, um, you picture me heavy. There's a beautiful song by Emily Wolf, and it's called Steady. And when I think about my soul, and it being as heavy as it is, I recognize that there are things that come with that. And uh, for a long time in my mind, I imagined that the things that were coming with it were just more opportunities for me to continue to strengthen my own identity, which is true. However, over time, I have come to accept that some of you just genuinely love me, for God's sake. And I'm going to have to get the fuck over it. (laughs) One of my very dear friends, you can follow her on Instagram, at Shreves. I've mentioned her in the past. Shreves is uh, one of my best friends on the planet and knows me very well. She she challenges me a great deal to accept the fact that I am loved, and it is a bit perplexing and confusing. And for m- perhaps many of you listening, that is a, maybe a sad statement or maybe even confusing for yourself in the sense that love for you makes sense. Unfortunately for me... Pardon me. Unfortunately for me, for a long time, love did not make any sense, and I did not know that it was real. I had no idea. I did not know um, what love was in the context of me giving myself permission to receive it. I only knew love in the context of me giving it. For, For many, many years, well, Probably up until I was maybe about five years ago. Maybe about five years ago. In about five years ago, something really happened to me where I started to unravel. Well, you know what happened to me? My 30s. (laughs) That's what happened to me. 
my 30s happened to me. And my 30s became this really beautiful opportunity for me to recognize that I did not have to live with the decisions that I made when I was in my late teens or my early 20s and could come out of a lot of sociological traumas that were pressed onto my well-being and my life given my desire to be a good person and really my love for divine. I was chatting recently with a gentleman that I that I had just um, started chatting with and I had informed him that I grew up and wanted to be a pastor when I was when I was growing up I wanted to be a pastor and I wanted to be <coughs> pardon me I wanted to be a pastor and I wanted to be a um a Franciscan nun <laughs> and all I wanted to do was talk about God since I was a very small child, I have no recollection of any other character trait other than my commitment to finding God. This gentleman at the time said something quite profound. He had said, well, doesn't God ask us to search for him in all that we do? And, you know, I'm quite grateful for that. Thank you. Um, thank you for that reminder that God does ask us to search for him in all that we do. Yeah, God does ask that of us. Well, if you don't know, <laughs> perhaps maybe this is your first time listening to Feminine. I, um, my entire identity revolves around searching for God. Everything about me revolves around searching for God. I'm not saying this to give you an impression that I am noble or that there is something superior about me. There is not. I am equally human and equally flawed and equally in need of um, resurrection as the next soul having a physical experience on this planet. And I don't mean to get choked up about it, but I guess if I could describe to someone what it is to be um, a, a spiritual child growing into a, a spiritual adult whose life revolves around looking for God. This is my life. That's what I do. I look for God. <clears throat> I look for God and... Um, I find them all day long and I bask in the wonder of this planet. And the reason why it, it hum the reason why it makes me a bit choked up is because I am humbled. to have this experience. I am humbled that creator would choose me to be alive. 
and quite grateful. You know, I see God in many things. My children are the essence of God, (laughs) which is, if you know me, you know why I am obsessed with them. Um, and basically spend my time as a mother adoring them and uh, convincing them that they are the only thing that matters. My children are the essence of God. Um, I find God often in physical touch. Um, I find God in... my dearest friends who love me. I find God in conflict resolution. I find God is nature. I find God in the manner in which I choose to forgive. I find God there because there is something about me that would hold a grudge for forever. Um, And it actually was a very dear coworker slash supervisor at the time who had challenged me prior to when I was first pregnant. So this was maybe about nine years ago. Um, I had first moved to Riverside (laughs) and was doing my social work thing and um, was living in a world of beauty uh, prior to um, experiencing some pretty crazy, excuse me, not crazy, but heartbreaking church events. And there's such a wonderful gentleman who I was working alongside in the community with and at one point he had said to me well thank god that we're not the judge and that is such a great deal of wisdom and i encourage you to please receive that statement you know thank god that you are not the judge because there is freedom to forgive in that space there is great freedom to forgive in that space um particularly for those of us who have had to learn to be judgmental in order to maintain a quality of safety in your life. Hi, honey. (coughs) Pardon me. So, yes, um, it has been a long time since we have gathered and uh, today happens to be uh, Easter. <laughs> if you are not familiar with the uh, Christian holiday, Easter is actually quite beautiful. Um, it is an indication, according to maybe the past, oh, I don't know, maybe like 2,500 years, <laughs> uh, assuming that the time frames in which colonization were established are accurate. Uh, Easter was slash remains the symbol of a gentleman, the most gentlemanly of gentlemen, (laughs) Jesus of Nazareth, 
whom I am deeply in love with, if you do not know. <laughs> um, and uh, he continues to be the essence of sexy to me and remains an anchor for me in being able to recover from any indication of heartbreak that could occur in my life. I continue to be reminded of my 17-year-old self who made a commitment to Jesus on a playground with an old friend, and uh, I just simply said out loud at that time that there was no man on the planet who was strong enough for me, and I knew it because I was deeply in love with Jesus. Since 17, I have been um, journeying through uh, a world where that could be proven otherwise, and I have come to accept that because of my dynamic with divine and creator, I am no longer in a place of searching, or excuse me, challenging my destiny with finding a man who is strong enough for me more than accepting that there is not one. <clears throat> and the reason why I am sharing this, despite the fact that I often do not talk about my love life, but it, it is important for me to share from a feminine perspective the realities of of God being my source of strength because the patriarchy continues to be uh, in, 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 in indication that there is um, an unwillingness to change systems. Aside from in the mental health field, this is my assessment. This is currently my clinical assessment of the patriarchy. Um, yeah, it seems as though there is an unwillingness to change the systems. Perhaps the patriarchy is exhausted. I don't know, and I don't really care, to be honest. They're not really the ones struggling with the oppressive tactics of the systems put in place. Um... So there's that. But when it comes to Easter and when it comes to Jesus and the reality that we are in a Christian moment of recognition, I want to say a couple of things. The first one is the sun is currently in Aries and the moon is in Capricorn. And we're actually at the last quarter phase of the sun, or excuse me, of the moon. I'm not updating feminine on a full moon today or a new moon. It's the last quarter phase moon. <clears throat> so that means we are about to transition. It's waning. The moon is waning. It's still moving um, next to the sun. It's currently squared to the sun. Aries is a fire sign. And Capricorn is an earth sign. So we have a lot of um, passion surrounding Easter today. The passion of the Christ. 
so they say. You know, Easter to me, <clears throat> and the notion of resurrection is so much greater and bigger than getting caught in the idea that Jesus is coming back to life. It's so much bigger than that. What if I challenged uh, anybody who's listening to this podcast by the notion that Jesus is happy that, uh, <laughs> is happy that he's not coming back to life? And the idea that he would come back to life is an indication that there is emotional stagnancy of the church. Emotional stagnancy. What if there is no nothing more for Christ to do? And, and he has acknowledged that many times. Right? He died, and according to Christianity, for, for our sins, which sins are indications of our imperfections slash um, behavior patterns and ideas that do not align with justice and faith and goodness and kindness, right? The idea of Jesus dying for our sins is an indication that Jesus died for the parts of us that are embarrassing. Okay, so we've, so we've established that. Then there's this idea, even though Jesus has told us many times that the kingdom is at hand, that he, we are waiting for him to come back and save us. Well, I would like to know, well, when do you think that's going to happen? Because we've been through quite a bit since his death. quite a bit. I don't I, I I don't think that the cosmos and I don't think that Jesus are sitting around plotting when they're going to put his body back on this planet. I, I just don't. <clears throat> Pardon me. I simply do not believe this. I, I'm not sure what the point of that teaching is other than allowing human beings to live in a perpetual state of fear and never truly embracing reality. Jesus is dead. It, you know, religion is based around the ongoing traditions uh, and ongoing practices of faiths. Spirituality is a process of unfolding. That which has been already unfolded for many years by many different human beings and has proven to provide a sense of ease while we are journeying this bodily planet. If Jesus came back from the dead um, as, a, as, a, as a physical being again, what would he do? And, and 
given the systems that already are in place that oppress marginalized human beings, particularly those who are deeper pigmented, who's going to take him seriously? You know, it's of the utmost importance that I remind you, Jesus was not a fair-skinned, blue-eyed male. He was dark-skinned. And he was an immigrant. Um, So I say this to say, you know, perhaps Christ is already here, but you have him uh, in a camp on the border. No, excuse me, we. You know, perhaps Christ is already here, but we have him in a detention center somewhere, fearing for his well-being. Or perhaps the, the irony of it all is that each of these moments are indications of reminding us who Christ really is and really was. And perhaps this is why he knew. <laughs> perhaps this is why he knew that it was of the utmost importance to remind people that the kingdom was already here. And it's not something that we have to wait for. So uh, typically during Easter, on Easter, if you grow up uh, in Christian type tradition, what happens is there's a lot of excitement um, slash maybe a bit of confusion and contemplata- contemplation around the notion that this, this man named Jesus came back from the dead. His body literally could not be found, right? The stone rolled away. Where'd he go? He's not here. Uh, there are some accounts in the scriptures that identify him um, <clears throat> being seen by various individuals in a spiritual context, which I believe in. I, I believe that spirits are real. I'm, I'm not in denial of physics and basic uh, E equals MC squared equations. I know energy is real and that spirits journey that same plane. So it is not shocking by the notion that Jesus would reveal himself in a spirit sense, as many spirits have been doing since the onset of bodily beings on planet Earth being um, removed from the physical experience of being on planet Earth, right? (laughs) There's some stories about that, uh, but for the most part, that's not the focus. The focus is that, you know, he came back to life. That's the focus. He came back to life. What an exciting, amazing, beautiful idea that someone can come back to life after having died. What's wonderful? It's a beautiful concept, right? If you want to to be alive again anyways, um, it's a beautiful concept. Perhaps you don't. You know, perhaps you were glad to die. Some people are glad to die. You know, life is not necessarily... Um, I'm not, I'm not convinced that 
our narrative, you know, the, the, the collective conscious narrative surrounding the three major religions uh, and Jesus being the predominant one that was utilized in order to colonize human beings now identified as Christianity, which we can also call Christ consciousness. Um, and I don't separate that because Christ consciousness is a thing. Jesus was the shit. I, I love that dude. He, uh, he completely advocated for equality. He was a, a beautiful feminist, profoundly sexy man. Um, Jesus was, he never advocated for the exploitation of women or children and actually advocated for the protection of them, the utmost gentleman. Never did he take on a bride of any kind, according to reports, aside from Mary Magdalene, who was a grown woman. Never. If you identify the other major religions that, uh, some of the other major religions that many people pay homage to, there are prophets who took on child brides. <coughs> and they are a focus of worship, which is molestation of children, by the way. Not Jesus. Jesus never did any of those things. He respected people's boundaries and children and innocence and female identifying and presenting beings a great deal. That's why uh, many women throughout history really appreciate him. He's worth advocating for in that regard. So yes, um, he, you know, he, Jesus died and he came back to life and we call that Easter. <laughs> and Easter is, you know, this notion of resurrection, which is actually quite beautiful. And resurrection is this idea that you can come back from things. But what if we flipped it and it wasn't about a physical, tangible comeback from a physical, tangible death, but rather a emotional, spiritual comeback from an emotional, spiritual death? Wouldn't that make more sense? Isn't that what faith is about? <laughs> Isn't that what the journey of the soul is uh, built up, built of, and built from? Coming back to life, no matter how many times you die. I don't know about you, but I've died many times in this life. many times I have lost many things I have lost at points everything that mattered to me there were moments in my life where I remember crying out to God on my knees wondering am I going to survive this level of pain and I remember at that time watching my body change. And it aged a great deal after that. And I would stay in this place of mourning and grief. My hair would fall out. I would cling to an ounce of validation from divine and creator that I would survive. 
it was those moments in my life, you know, are the essence of resurrection, Easter, Christ, and being conscious. I remember, you know, at certain points in my life thinking to myself, there is no way I'm going to survive this grief right now. There is no way. I remember thinking that often growing up as a child. You know, I don't, I don't share often about my childhood or my life because it was quite painful. And out of respect for my parents, I don't know if it's necessary for me to share. I am an adult now. I have been one for many years. When I spoke as a child, you know, I was a child. I am not a child anymore. What is childhood in the context of grieving? But moments of reality that this world is beautiful and magical, but humans are flawed. And that children are vulnerable and easy to hurt. I have been grieving for a long time in my life. The grief has, you know, isn't that what the essence of humanity revolves around is coming back from grief and making something beautiful out of the tragedies that resulted in its eruption? I have died many times. I am reminded of um, an old friend in high school who I had a very big crush on. Uh, (laughs) We were good friends. Um, It was very sweet. We, We liked each other a great deal, and it was a very innocent and very intense connection, per usual, because that's me. Um, And my feelings are usually uh, quite uh, complex. And when, when we would hang out, he would sing a song by Plank Eye, and it was called Goodbye. Some of the highlights of that song, I remember... My dear friend, he would cry out to God during a certain point. And I remember at that time thinking to myself, he was such a wonderful human being in the manner in which he cried out to God. And those were moments where I felt deep care and um, investment into his life. Many blessings, Andy, to you and to your family. You deserve those wonderful things. 
So we would, you know, a bunch of us, uh, we would sit in his room and he would play his guitar. <laughs> and, um, and he would get to this part and let me see if I can remember it for you. Um, it's difficult to say goodbye after only one life and the rain will fall and memories pictures on the wall and then um it goes oh i love the you know the guitar builds up and then we go but something woke me up in the midst of dreaming fantasy halfway there but he always fills my cup and he lifts me up oh how he lifts me up goodbye goodbye it's a beautiful song i strongly encourage you to look into it it is by plank i p-l-a-n-k-e-y-e uh if you love me and you know me quite well you know that i can have a bit of a plank eye and i'm very grateful to the individuals who love me despite that thank you for that death is an ongoing part of life it is unavoidable grief is the essence of resurrection because you must learn how to come back from it despite the fact that many times it can bring you to a place where you do not know if you will survive i wish that i could tell you how many times i have had to die if I did, you would not believe it or you would question my own ability to resurrect. But when I tell you here and now that resurrection is not simply this idea of a Godhead coming back so that he can save us, but a reality of consciousness, please hear me. You do not have to suffer. You can get off of your cross and you can continue to come back to life if you so decide. Christ was not a martyr by choice. It was something that was forced upon him. Please do not forget that he did ask for the cup to pass. It was not his choice. He did not want this. And we treat Christ as if he wanted to die for us. No, he did not. It seems as though out of respect for his own narrative, he deserves a little bit more than this assumption that it was something he wanted to do. Perhaps the resurrection of Christ is a mystery because it revolves around the ideas of letting go of death and and the fear involved with it. So what? Things hurt. So what? Pain is real. Resurrect. 
So what? The grief is massive. Resurrect. Some of us are capable of navigating the utmost pain and continuing to move forward without even shedding a tear. Survival. It is survival. Resurrect is not the essence of fleeing war, resurrection. Is not the essence of fighting for your land, resurrection. Is not the essence of advocating for equality and justice, resurrection. Are not each of these things examples of Christ coming back to life simply because we choose as human beings to not surrender, but to move through that which is holding us back? Is, not, is that not the essence of resurrection? It absolutely is. I am not convinced that Jesus wants us to sit around and wonder when he's going to come back to save us. Save yourself. I've said it before. Save yourself. Speaking of which, I want to honor um, Amanda Seals real quick and the um, Smart, Funny, and Black offerings that she provides to uh, community members and allies. Thank you so much, Amanda, for your knowledge. She has a master's in African-American studies, uh, is a black-identifying woman, and is brilliant. And without her, I would not be as aware or informed as I am as a human being. So yes, Easter is here. Happy Easter, my friends. My hope is that as you continue to journey your understanding of God and where they are in your life, that you resurrect. Each day is new. The past is not here any longer and the future we cannot control. All we have is this moment. I encourage you, implement the practice of dying and coming back to life into your day-to-day. It will be good for you. It will give you permission to stop searching through various avenues for relief from this life. It is a good life. It is a very good life.
you would like to engage the feminine dialogue, please feel free to send an email to PriscillaHeinLCSW at gmail.com. Additionally, when you search for us on Apple Podcasts or share us with your friends, remind them and yourself to give us a five-star rating. <laughs>